spring flowers, a reminder of our new life in Christ. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter from the Pittengers. We're the Fergusons. We want to wish Resurrection Sunday blessings to all and look forward to seeing you soon. Happy Easter. He is risen and hope everybody is well and look forward to seeing you all very soon. Hi, Huntsville Christian Church family. It's Lindsay. And Joshua. And we wanted to say, Happy, Happy Easter. Jesus rose from the dead. Time to celebrate. Have a great day. Bye. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. He is risen. Happy Easter from the Chapmans. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Risen. <laughs> Hi everybody. Hope y'all are doing well and happy Easter. The tomb is empty. Let, let's all have a good Easter. And I miss you all very much. I hope to see you all soon. I want to say, um, you want to, I'll say Christ is risen. You say happy Easter. Tell them to quiet down. Hey. Quiet on the set. And action. Christ is risen. Happy Easter. <laughs> Yay, Jesus is alive. Happy Easter. Happy, Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter from Arizona. Happy Easter. It's good to be with you and see the treasure of our life. Diana and her beautiful voice. God bless you all. The Odins from Baltimore, Maryland, wishing everyone at Huntsville Christian Church a very happy, healthy, and safe Easter. Say happy Easter. Happy Easter. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. I'd like to invite your family to worship with our family as we celebrate the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks again to everyone who sent in a video. We, uh, as you can tell, enjoyed uh, making all of ours. And <laughs> it was a lot of fun. This morning, we're going to pick up where we left off at our Good Friday evening service, Shadow to the Cross. Hopefully you were able to join us. If not, we closed out in Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 56. But before we read that, will you pray with me? Father God, we, we come here at this time and pause in our worship to look at this story of what your son endured for us. As we do that, I pray that you would open our hearts you would open our minds that we would see just how much you love and care for us. That we would desire to be a reflection of that love and that care for others. We thank you that he is risen indeed. Amen. Luke 23 verses 44 through 56 says this. It was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light 
failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts, and all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching this thing, these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down wrapped it in a linen shroud, laid him in a tomb, in a, in a tomb cut in stone, where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. Let's settle in on this for just a minute. Jesus, who's now in the tomb, is the same Jesus who was with God in the beginning, according to John 1. John said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word was with God in the beginning. That same Jesus was born in a stable, wrapped in swaddling cloths, laid in a manger in a field near the Migdal Eder, the tower of the flock, where the animals were set apart and kept, raised and cared for specifically for temple worship and sacrifices. The same Jesus who grew up, lived a life free of sin, who taught others about love and compassion and mercy. The same Jesus who was once praised by the people just a few days before as he came into Jerusalem and then condemned by those same people, deserted by his friends, mocked, beaten, and spit upon made to carry his own cross, and then stripped and nailed to it as he died. He was born in a stable, laid to rest in a borrowed tomb. He literally left everything to come to earth and live with nothing. He did it in order to die for our sins. And while he was on the cross, the temple curtain was torn down the middle from top to bottom. This curtain was somewhere near 60 feet high. Early Jewish tradition says that the veil was about four inches thick. Now the Bible doesn't confirm that measurement. The book of Exodus teaches this though, that the thick veil was fashioned from blue, purple, and scarlet material and twisted fine linen. The size and thickness of the veil make the events occurring at the moment of Jesus' death on the cross so much more momentous in my opinion. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So what do we make of this? What significance does this torn veil have for us today? Well, above all, the tearing of the veil at that moment of Jesus' death dramatically symbolized that his sacrifice, the shedding of his own blood, was a sufficient atonement for sins. It signified that now the way into the Holy of Holies was open for all people, for all time, both Jew and Gentile. 
You see, when Jesus died, the veil was torn and God moved out of that place, never again to dwell in a temple made with human hands. Acts 17 says that. God was through with the temple, if you will. He was through with that religious system. The temple and Jerusalem were actually left desolate, ultimately to be destroyed by Romans in AD 70, just as Jesus had prophesied. As long as the temple stood, it signified the continuation of the old covenant. Hebrews chapter 9 refers to the age that was passing away as the new covenant was being established. In a sense, the veil was symbolic of Christ himself as the only way to the Father. I think this is indicated by the fact that the high priest had to enter the Holy of Holies through the veil. And now the risen Christ is our superior high priest. As believers in his finished work, we are now a part of his better priesthood. We can now enter the Holy of Holies through him. Hebrews chapter 10 actually says, We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. So through the series of events that led up to the cross, we see this image of Jesus' flesh being torn for us through his beatings and, and the whippings and the things that he endured. And at the same time, he was tearing the veil of the curtain. The veil being torn from top to bottom is a fact of history. The significance of this event is explained in amazing detail in the book of Hebrews. The things of the temple were shadows of things to come. And they all ultimately point us to Jesus Christ. He was the veil to the Holy of Holies. And through his death, we now have free access to God. How awesome is that? The veil in the temple was a constant reminder that sin renders humanity unfit for the presence of God. The fact that the sin offering was, was offered annually and countless other offerings and sacrifices were repeated daily showed very graphically that sin could not truly be atoned for or erased just by animal sacrifices. But Jesus Christ, through his death, through his burial, and his glorious resurrection has removed the barriers between God and man. The evening, Jesus died, the temple curtain was torn, and he was taken down off the cross and laid in a borrowed tomb. You know, I can't help but think that this Resurrection Sunday, today, right here, right now, is more like that 2,000 years ago than any we've ever experienced. Laid in a tomb. The women who followed him had prepared all the spices and the ointments for his burial, but because of the laws and the traditions of the Sabbath, they had to wait until they could actually go and embalm, him, embalm his body. And for us today, in our culture, all around the world, funerals are not able to proceed with the normalcy and the tradition that we're used to due to COVID-19 and the space and distance restrictions on our society. I have a couple of other comparisons I want to share with you. You see, because of the events around them, the disciples are now locked together in the upper room where they had their Passover meal with Jesus. They were scared to go out in public. They were scared of being arrested. They were scared of being beaten, even losing their lives. And for us today, our families, your families are staying at home for fear of spreading sickness and even in some cases, possibly losing their lives. I know this, that the circumstances are very different. Understand that as to why we're staying in. But the outcome is the same. As the church, as the bride of Christ, we are separated on this morning that we usually come together and celebrate with food and with, with remembrance, with the communion, with the Lord's Supper, with our offerings. 
And we remember what Christ did for us. But we are separated because we simply cannot be together for the greater good of our physical health. Another comparison, the disciples and Jesus' the disciples who were Jesus' close followers, they, they were steeped in fear. There was an uncertainty of not knowing what tomorrow might bring. They were uncertain of many things. What would happen next? W would he really come back? Would everything ever be normal again? How do they move forward with the teachings of Jesus? Would they lose their lives? It's almost as if in this moment, all the questions, all the uncertainties that they had outweighed their faith. How about you? What are your uncertainties today? What are your questions? What are your doubts? As we come to celebrate the risen Lord, are you thinking, will this virus continue to spread? Am I going to have a job tomorrow? Am I going to continue to get paid as I continue to not work? How long will that last? Will we have medical supplies that we needed before this outbreak? Will those continue to be available? Will we have the physical supplies that we need? Soap, hand sanitizer, toilet paper, just to name a few. I ask you again, church, do your uncertainties outweigh your faith like the disciples did in that moment? Now look at where we are. Jesus is buried the disciples are in the upper room hiding out. The women went out early in that morning on Sunday to put spices on Jesus' body. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew writes, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. And his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. So here we are. He arose. The ladies came with the intent of preparing his body and instead they worshipped him. And the guards who were there, who were frozen in fear, well, they lied. Look at what the guards say in verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. When they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell the people... His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Spoiler alert. His body was not stolen by his disciples. He is risen just as he said.
Not only did he rise again, but he was seen. His physical body was seen not just by his disciples, but over the course of the next few days, he was seen by several hundred people. Many people saw him. But first, he appeared to his disciples. And this is what he has to say to them. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, from any, it is withheld. I want to continue with some things that I think we have in common with the disciples on that day. Just before Jesus presented himself to them. Sadness. As I've talked with people, there seems to be some sadness. It started out as an adventure, but now you're kind of done with this whole thing and you're ready to get back to normal and, and it's brought sadness into your life. Uncertainty. We have the same uncertainty, a type of uncertainty that the disciples had. We don't know what's going to happen next with life, with COVID, with the stock market, but I can promise you this, nothing surprises God. And knowing that nothing surprises God and that he wants what's best for us should bring us hope. Just like when he visited with his scared and confused disciples in the upper room. We have hope because Jesus did do exactly what he said he would do. He rose again. Because he rose again, we should go to win and commit to grow. Another spoiler alert. That's actually the title of next week's message and I'm excited to share that with you. And it's these, it comes from these verses in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This is some of the last things that Jesus shared with his disciples. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Did you hear that part in verse 17? The 11 disciples are there. They worshiped, but some doubted. After all they had witnessed, after spending three years with Jesus, living with him, witnessing how he treated people, watching every step of the way as he entered Jerusalem, as he was praised on Good Friday, on that first day of Hosanna, they said, worship him. And those same people then condemned him as he went through the mock trial and the beatings and carrying his own cross. They watched him die. And he stood before them in the same upper room where he offered communion to them in the Passover. After all they witnessed, some still doubted. Are you doubting? Are you questioning God while you celebrate the risen Savior today? You're not the first. Worship him while you doubt. Pray for strength. Pray for clarity of your thoughts. 
Take comfort in the fact that he is risen. He is risen indeed. And he died for you and I. He died as the final sacrifice for our sins. He beat death. And he has gone before us to prepare a place for us. So that we can be with him forever. And if that's not something to celebrate. You tell me what is. So as we come to our response time this morning. My question is simple. How will you respond to the good news of Jesus' resurrection? He died for us. Will you live for him? Or will you choose to hide behind uncertainty? Will you choose to hide behind fear? He breathed the Holy Spirit on the disciples and said, Peace be with you. And the Bible tells us that when we repent of our sins and we are baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We receive that peace as well. And so if you're hearing this good news for the first time and you would like to talk more about it, send me an email. You can do that from our website. I would love to have conversation with you about what your part is. And remember, we all have a part. Jesus did his part. He fulfilled the requirement of being the final sacrifice for sin. And he rose from the grave and he beat death and he beat sin. Will you do your part? Will you join us as we sing our response song this morning and respond to God's word this week accordingly? Free indeed, because death was arrested. Well, I tell you, that's, that's a great way to celebrate. It's been great to be here with you all this morning, to live stream with you, to share with you the good news that Jesus is alive. But now it's time for us to go to win and commit to grow. I know it's a bit of a contradiction because we made up that hashtag that says, praise it out, stay in, but we got to go to win and commit to grow anyways. I want to challenge you to take an opportunity to creatively and safely share this story with someone this week. Maybe it's through an email or a text or a social media post. Whether you're familiar with the story or not of Jesus rising from the dead and beating sin and beating death so that he could free us from our sins. Or if this is the first time you've heard it, you have heard the good news. It is indeed good news for us that Jesus endured all of these things. Like I said earlier, he did his part. Will, do you, will you do your part? Will you go to win? Share this story with someone this week. Commit to grow. Do your part. Go back and read through the book of Hebrews that I shared with you earlier in the message about. But as you go, make sure to be a reflection of Jesus. In your home especially, during this time of extended family togetherness, let your family see Jesus in you first. And enjoy every extended minute with them. Because you will look back on this season one day and you will miss this. But until then, be a reflection of Christ in your family first. And then somehow share this good news this week as you go. Will you sing this last song with us?